Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Doing good. Happy belated birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Happy afternoon to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. <laughs> hmm. Did you have a good lunch? Yes. Uh, last minute. Last minute lunch. Still just getting everything sorted. You had a big move. Yeah, we had our lease was up, and uh, yeah, what so a pain! Get out of there. Now, did you just? Uh, I mean, if if you can say, did you just? Uh, you did you want a different place? That place wasn't working out. No, that place was not. That was not the best. That place was mm-hmm. not the best, and uh, it was. You know, one of the things I think is tough to do is to look back on a decision you've made and say that was a huge error. But that was a huge error. That place was wrong for so many reasons. And this is a much, much better situation. And in the process of moving, I purged so much stuff because it's something I've been doing at home and I continued it to the office that I have and just got, I got rid of so much stuff, donated it, sold it, just got it out of there. And what, what a difference you feel like a thousand pounds lighter as a human being. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, you should uh, you should talk about that. You you uh in, in preparing for this episode, you have many many topics for today. I'm I'm very excited. I've had I've had time to reflect on 299 episodes um, mm. and uh, and thought back, and so yeah, I came up I came up with some ideas. But I know we have some feedback, and there have been some very good emails <laughs> coming through too that we should probably spend time uh, responding. Well, to. and go anywhere you want to go. Um, the uh, yeah, it sounds like you. I noticed you were uh, had lots of stuff. Uh, I saw Hattie selling her shoes. Uh, it looks like you were getting rid of some um, some equipment. I think she sold them too. Yeah, that's. I, there are people who buy ladies' shoes. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some um, of them. Some of those people are women too. I think. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. yeah the internet's a weird. It's a weird place. You know, everybody's welcome. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> um. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so go anywhere you want. We could talk more about your purge. That's a that's a very interesting topic. We uh, we did a little bit of purging recently, and I had the exact same feeling. Tell me about it. What did you do? What did we do? Um, I mean, it's not particularly interesting, but basically, uh, in our house, we've got a um, the primary closet. My wife and I use is really, really big, considering the size of our flat, but. It was sort of, it became, there's, you know, there's those places in the house. I think maybe the most notorious place in the house is like a table near the door or a counter where like once you put one thing on it, it just becomes where you put everything. <laughs> we have one of those. Yeah. Start so saying, go, I'm just going to put my vitamins in my toaster here and nothing else. <laughs> and then you put down one Safeway flyer and pretty soon it's like. Yes. Yes. It's, it's totally covered. You go dead to everything in it. And I think. I mean, I, I, I realize I'm I'm much more pathological than most people in a variety of ways, but we have places in our house because we have a limited amount of space. But I mean, I think like everybody, you have these places that become a junk sink. Ugh. And no matter who you are, how much you've got, mostly, I think if you're a typical middle-class American, you've got more stuff than you need. And then you've got stuff you haven't made a decision about. You've got stuff that you just need out of the way. And so we have a few of those junk sinks. We and this, I'm, I'm using that. I, I think kind of in the same way I would use the term like heat sink. It's like where the <laughs> junk goes. It's where the junk ends up, and right. it can clog the sink. But um, yeah, so you know we've got we've got two big closets, and we've been trying mightily to get the the primary family closet organized and cleaned out, and we had some success with that. But with with our closet, it was big enough and like navigable enough that like you will put this. Uh, I'm a big fan of the blue IKEA bag. 
You know the IKEA bag? Uh, the thing that you get when you're shopping around in, in the IKEA. Yeah, like when you go to, when you go to IKEA, you can get the little cart, you can get the big cart. You can also get this like big blue bag. You can buy those big blue bags, and they are great for so many things. You can put an improbable amount of stuff into an IKEA blue bag. They're not waterproof, so like you got to be kind of careful with them. Like we use one for like our recycling, so you can carry out the recycling and stuff like that. But I think we just got into this habit of like, ah, people are coming over or like we're going to have a guest, something's going to happen. And I mean, it wasn't like hoarder crazy, but where you'd go like, let's get this blanket and this disused dingus and this, and you put, and you get like five pounds of stuff in one of those bags. And I will put that in the closet. So long story short, we finally spent, and most of my wife spent an entire weekend cleaning this thing out. And when we were done, our bedroom was practically full. <sighs> where it, it felt like some like origami bag of holding where you're like, how did all of that stuff fit into this walk-in closet? And we were still able to walk into it. It was bananas. And uh, my wife did a great job, a very sane and sound job of sorting. So there's lots of stuff that we donated like old clothes. Um, but nah, I, you know, I, I, I did the thing, which is I called the dude. And I was like, Hey dude, pickup dude, can you, can you do me a pickup tomorrow? Spent more money than I should, but you know, you call the dude, the hauling dude, and they just show up and in like, spend a little bit of money and in like 15 minutes, so much stuff is gone. It's amazing, isn't it? To see that go. It is. It's, it's really amazing. Unfortunately, you know, my sweet daughter is very attached to objects in life. Even if she doesn't know it, it's just, you know, change is hard for kids. And that some of that was a little bit complicated. Sometimes you got to kind of sneak stuff out of the house, you know, it feels dishonest because it's oh, dishonest. Like, like if she knew that you were, <laughs> if she knew that you were taking it, she would be upset and she would say, don't take that. Don't get rid of that. I need that. You know, I, I'm willfully, mindfully trying to not tell as many stories about my daughter because she's nine and she really should get to be a person. But, you know. So I'm trying to, I'm avoiding stories. You know, in one case, there was this chair that we bought, this chair that was way too big for our house, really gross. We got it from like Costco. It's this like fake leather chair that we've had forever. And we're finally like, that's it. We're getting rid of this thing. It takes up so much room. Nobody sits on it. It's falling apart. It's gross. It had an old Apple remote, like permanently. I When I finally disassembled it, it had an Apple remote, like <laughs> hot glued into it. It had been sitting there for years, like becoming part of the chair. She came home from school and saw the disassembled chair and she lost it. She was so sad. And I remember that feeling. I remember my mom getting a haircut, like going and going, hey, look, I got a new haircut. And I was, I was mad at her for like a month. Like, how could you cut your hair without telling me? How could you change anything in my world? But so you got to do a little bit of that stealthy stuff. But uh, anyway, to your point, I, um, I do think it's really freeing and we tried to be responsible about it. But uh, eventually there's just stuff that's just stuff. You put some stuff on the street and people will take it and other stuff. It's just, there's just too much stuff in bags and, you know, bad on us for being an American consumer. But, you know, uh, a lot of old paper stuff, just garbage. And it's like, ah, that was taking up so much psychic RAM having that around. Psychic RAM. I like that term. You like that? That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's right. It's not, even if you're not like dealing with it or thinking about it or feeling, if you're, you know, like in the, in the sort of pathological world of hoarding, if you go look at the DSM, I think there are actually levels for this. You can go and Google like uh, OCD and hoarding and there are different levels for this. And it starts out as simple as things are a little messy. It moves up through like, well, there's more food garbage in the house than there should be. So you move all the way up to like pet waste that hasn't been dealt with. 
And I think when you get to the, well, there's one level where like the house is falling down, but that penultimate level where a lot of people go and then kind of sit unexamined for a long time is like where there are areas of the house that can't be used. For example, like you're using the range top to hold bills or, you know what I mean? And yes. I know, I mean, I'm, I want to be sympathetic because I've had this in my life and it's, it's really complicated, but, um, you know, if you're getting by okay with clutter or you've got a giant basement, you can just sort of sweep it away and go like, okay, but everything's fine over here. I have my sacred area that I can still use, but it does feel really good to get rid of it. No, it really does. And I know exactly what you mean about these sort of holding areas or staging areas that you, you never really mean to start it like that, but there's stuff that you don't, you don't really have a place for it. It's something you might need. Like, where am I going to put, I have like a, like these two, we went to, uh, we went to a movie at the Alamo and well, this was, um, uh, I think it was fantastic beasts and where to find them. Right. Right. And they were doing this special promotion where you could get some kind of magazine that had a whole feature on like the Harry Potter films and stuff. And so my, my boy said, yeah, you know, I really want the magazine. I said, all right, cool. Like it's a thing, you know, we'll, we'll get it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll get one. You know, you can have one, I'll have one at work. And like, they were, they were cheap. They're like eight, eight bucks in addition to what your ticket was. And it was a special edition of this, some magazine I'd never heard of. I still have one of those. I have one of those, well, a booklet for Superman from 1978. See, it becomes have. a collector's thing. It's a collector's item. That's you gotta right. keep it. That could be worth something. So yeah. I want, I thought we'd just, I'd get a couple of them and I ordered them. And then when you show up at the movie theater, you're supposed to go in and you present your ticket and then they give you this cool custom thing. A lot of the time, Alamo does like drink glasses and other things. So like when we're going to go see Rogue One, I had to get the commemorative drinking glass, of course. So, oh, duh. Duh. So I went in and I said, well, you know, Where's my magazine? And they said that there was a problem with the magazines. We don't have the magazines, but here's what we do have is we have vouchers. So they gave me these two little vouchers. The Star Wars figured you. <laughs> oh, the figures aren't available yet, but here's a box with your voucher in it. Have fun. Right. Voucher. So I've got two of these little vouchers. On both sides. Have a voucher. Right. So what am I going to do with the two vouchers? I have no idea what I'm going to do with them. They're tiny. They're square. They're they're larger than a business card, and they're a square shape instead of a rectangle shape, and they're printed on very flimsy, what looks like thermal receipt paper. What am I supposed to do? So they sit on in this one spot like i don't have a place to put them because like i want to see them because when we go to see rogue one we can use the vouchers for something there maybe you buy popcorn i don't know what how it works but i need them to like be in a place but we actually have a whole uh closet within a closet in the upstairs master bedroom we have a meta closet we have a meta closet and uh my wife calls it the hobbit hole because the door is small, it's not quite a crawl space because it's like still has like it's carpeted. Hmm. But you go in the master closet, which is a walk in, and then you like push the jackets and stuff aside on the rack, and there's another door. A I have small, dreams about finding a door like that. It has like a little. I have, like, I have a dream at least once a month of finding a hidden hidden room in my house. This is a hidden room, and it has a gold like 1980s gold. Remember when all the door handles were gold? Like oh, fake yeah. gold, not real gold, but like that terrible sort of crappy uh, golden, golden. 
door handle Antique. on it. Yeah. And you go yeah. in there and there's like there's like a ramp that goes down for a little bit and then you're and then it's cramped and the ceiling is in a weird shape, like angled ceiling, and there's a, a tube that has some some kind of plumbing or something in it going down the wall. It's very weird. But that now is our collection spot for everything that we can find another place for. It's like the V I the VIP closet. Oh, totally. It's like there's a red rope. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned this in one of our previous cleanup episodes. There's a wonderful word uh, coined by Philip Dick, Philip K. Dick, in um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Ah, oh, yes. Which Blade Runner movie. It's the word kipple. Um, here on Urban Dictionary, I don't think this is dirty. Uh, kipple is a word coined uh, by Philip K. Dick. It refers to the sinister type of rubbish which simply builds up without any human intervention. Eventually, one day, the entire world will have moved to a state of kippleization. Um, I have so many things like that. I like like the stupid like the receipts and coupons you get at the drugstore. I'm like I I always feel like a dick, but it's like you know I don't give me the coupon. Like I don't want the coupon. I leave it there and I feel kind of bad. But like there's all those kinds of little things. There's things my kid picked up on the walk home and then you know it gets this uh, emotional valence to it just by virtue of the fact that your kid touched it and now it's in your house and it's like well this is a stick she picked up in the park like that's not a collector's item like that and again this this goes back to our old cleanup episodes which i can link to but um we the first episode of that uh, new podcast i I do uh do by friday the first episode from october 25th the challenge it's a challenge podcast with alex and max where we have to we give each other a challenge each week to do first challenge was to throw something away so we talked about this a lot you know for me it's the electronic stuff we're like i i am so broken where if i find like a power brick with a cord I feel like I can't throw it away because then if I ever find the device that that's attached to that I obviously don't use because I can't find it, like I feel like I'll never be able to use that device. And so there's this whole like series of dependencies, like will I ever need this USB cable? And it's like, you know, that it's a kind of affliction, you know, where you almost want to put all of that stuff into one area, save three of each and like throw the rest away. Totally. I mean, that, and that's been my biggest problem has been over the years of doing uh, doing five by five, doing a podcast method, doing all these things. I acquired a lot of gear and whether it's just you used to do the black magic, you used to talk about the, the black magic was your jam for a while. Yes. And then, so you got all those kinds got of things. Those. I got tons of like cables and, and things that I just never, and in my mind, I'd been there with all this stuff. And I said, you know, like this is junk. Nobody's going to want it. And uh, one of my friends is like, no, like you should try just putting a little bit of it on eBay. You'd be surprised what people will sell. And I said, Oh, but it's such a hassle. And uh, you know, you get it. And he he said, no, they've, they've come a long way. And I said, you know what? Okay, let me just try this. So I had a couple of these, um, like Canon Vixia HDMI style video cameras, not, not expensive. I think I probably paid $600 for them each where you can pay thousands for, for good cameras. Uh, and so I, I had these two cameras. I still, uh, and I'm, I'm like, retentive about stuff i always save the box i save the packaging i saved everything so i put them up there i put one of them up for sale and i did this thing you can do which is called buy it now so for people who are not familiar with ebay they still do the auction stuff you can also mm-hmm. list, list stuff at just a fixed price where you say this about like the buy it now kind of thing right and a buy it now well so there's a fixed price where you just say this video camera is 500 dollars and that's it. And there's no auction. And if you, you want to just buy it, you can just come in and buy it. You can also do it at an auction and set a buy it now price so that you can say, I'm starting the auction at 325 bucks, 
But if you just want to skip over all that and you know you like it and you want to buy it, if you're willing to pay 450 bucks right now, you can buy it right now. And right. that's what I did. And someone bought it, it like within five minutes of listing it. Wow. I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, well, the next one I'm going to put up, I'm not going to put any auction on it. I mean, no buy it now and just leave it at auction. That one sold for 525 bucks. So and this crazy. is like a three or four year old camera. And yeah, the new ones the network, only... that's, that's the network effect, you know, in action. There's enough people out there. And I guess you can, can't you like monitor for certain kinds of things? Like if you really want a cool, RB's cool cat glass, you could you like, can. yeah, that's yeah. really cool. And I, and, and so I'd sold a couple of comics that way, like CGC comics where, you know, they, they are what they are and you can, you know, but I, I didn't know that stuff. So I started putting everything. I, I spent probably two or three days, the better part of three days doing nothing but boxing stuff up, putting it on, and then and you would be amazed. I had old backpacks that I was just going to take to Goodwill that wow. I sold one for 125 bucks. What? I That's know. Crazy. Because, oh, because yeah. they don't make it anymore. This <laughs> is bizarre to me, but uh, but through this process, it made me feel good because here was something that I didn't know how to value that was going to people who are, were very excited about getting it because they were getting something they couldn't get or they, they were getting it at a deal. And I was unloading all of this stuff. And it, it took a long, long time. But then there was a lot of stuff I couldn't sell uh, or I couldn't sell because I couldn't ship it. It was too big. And so I invited people. We have like a Refresh Austin Slack. I was like, hey, just come and take stuff. And like, if you want to pay me for it, pay me something or just take it, whatever. It was just stuff that I'd been bringing from place to place to place that I had used. It had done its job. I felt like I had paid the money for it and used it essentially. And that now it was something that if it could go to a better home or go to someone who could use it or something like that, then I was okay with that. And people came out and, and bought stuff and picked it up. And, and um, some people just didn't, you know, didn't pay anything. Other people paid. It was, it was great. And then I was like, wow, I have so much less stuff now. And I, I love it. I just love it. And I'm like, I'm never getting that much crap again, ever, no matter what. Um, well, I was looking up Kipple, Kipple on Urban Dictionary. I thought I'd share with you a few of the terms on Urban Dictionary that are, that are trending right now. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to give you the definition. I'm just going to tell you a few of these. You can go uh, look them up on your own. You got dog in a bathtub, uh, man interrupting, uh, clock spider, uh, figging, very interesting, oh. and uh, Japanese rain goggles. I don't know if I want to know that last one. Yeah. Actually, I'm not the one I'll tell you. Japanese rain goggles, a phrase that means absolutely nothing but was designed to cause hype on the internet. <laughs> it did that. It did that for me. Uh, yeah, the it's hype. with me. You can go mm. look that up. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Do you want to, we got a bunch of sponsors today. You want to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you, you know what, it's, uh, it is, I will acknowledge that this is our 300th episode. Mazel tov. And yes, l'chaim. And an old, an old sponsor came from our past and said, we want to be part of your 300th episode to commemorate the three, the grand. It's, 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 it's the servers submerged in oil, isn't it? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. When I first got into five by five, it was all about server submerged. That was home. a weird time. Is there any other sponsor that's been around that long? Is there any Dan? Dan, is there any sponsor that has been around that? Is there Dan? Dan is Dan. Is there any sponsor that you would consider a tent pole? Is there is there a sponsor who was there for us in the early? Is, Dan, is yeah. there a sponsor <laughs> that would do something like sponsor uh, music? 
Is is there a sponsor? Is there Dan? Is there somebody that has been around so long and helping so many people that they would turn up like like a George Clooney cameo for episode three hundred? What, what what would a sponsor like that be? It would be Mailchimp. They are Mailchimp. My very first sponsor. They were. They don't do a lot of podcast sponsorship these days, but they don't need to. They're they huge. To. They don't need to, to be honest. And they're they're just they're great. It's a great company. And they said, you know what? Yeah. We want it. We want to be on your three hundredth episode, the start of a new, a new generation of back to work episodes. We want to kick that off, mm. and uh, and so here they are, Mailchimp, Mailchimp dot com. I think they're probably they're certainly the best. I'm pretty sure they're the biggest uh, newsletter company on the internet, and they make it incredibly easy to create and send a newsletter. Newsletters are all the rage right now. I'm a subscriber to a number of newsletters and I really, really enjoy them. I enjoy them more than I enjoy a blog post a lot of times. And I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's because I don't have to, I don't have to go and and seek them out. Maybe it's because I've been really careful about the ones I subscribe to so that I know the kind of content that I'm going to get, but I really enjoy the ones that I get. And, uh, and they're all, by the way, they're all using MailChimp and that's because they make it so easy to do it. Uh, it's the same way that when I was launching Fireside and getting people to sign up for the beta, when you would go to sign up for the beta, you were signing up through MailChimp and it was a newsletter and you were on it and I was sending out updates and saying, here's what we're doing. And and all of it was just made so easy by MailChimp. And I'll tell you one of the little features that I really liked. And it's a perfect example of like a real life scenario. I had people signing up for the beta all the time and I never... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to send like an update and depending on how long they'd been signed up, I didn't want them to see the same thing twice. I didn't want them to see the like, hey, welcome to Fireside and here's our Slack information and here's how to report a bug if you find it. And I didn't want to send that same thing out. MailChimp is smart so that if you import a bunch of email addresses and add them and you want to go and duplicate an existing campaign, an existing letter that you've sent out, it's smart enough to say, who do you want to send this to? And one of the checkboxes is just the people who signed up since I sent the original campaign. Like little details like that. Wow. D- so just, it's, it's, not, it's not the blunt instrument it used to be. Not at all. I mean, it, it's, so, it, it's so smart. And they really get, and they do A-B testing, which your friend Max is obsessed with. I mean, everything is built into this so that you can you could write different versions of the same newsletter. You can try and see how they work and send them to different parts of your audience. And uh, it's just, I mean, I'm not even scratching the surface of what it can do. And they've done a, a thing recently where they've made it even easier to connect uh, if you have a store that you use, so like if you use uh, Shopify or um, Magento or like WooCommerce, BigCommerce, all these different uh, stores that are out there, you want to connect with your listeners. You want to find out like, how about that cool feature where like uh, someone goes and puts a bunch of stuff in their cart and then like doesn't come back? Well, if uh, if you can connect them with a the newsletter, you can say, hey, by the way, like you have some things in your cart. I love that feature. They do all of that. All of this is integrated. They make it incredibly easy. They have product recommendations for customers. All of this stuff is built in, tied into your uh, workflow. They're a wonderful company. Hi, Mark. And uh, they're, they're great. Uh, so they're sponsoring. So you can, you can just go to MailChimp.com and check them out. You can sign up for free. They've got uh, a, a wonderful starter plan so that you don't have to pay. It's just they're really, really great. So go check them out, uh, MailChimp.com. Thanks very much to MailChimp for supporting us since the very, very, very beginning and to continue to support. We appreciate it.
Thanks, Mailchimp. Buck, buck. buck. You meet that. Uh, you meet that Ben guy. The big gun there. The big gun. Yeah. Oh, Wasn't Ben. ben yeah. You yeah. meet Ben. Yeah, I did. Ben's like a. Ben's like a like a uh, a cable sasser level like nice guy. He's really that's, nice. That, that's guy. a high bar. That's a high bar. He's the he's kind of a guy. Very, he's a joyful, yes. kind, gregarious, curious man. Let me tell you a little something about Ben. Tell me something about Ben. You're going to go, you're going to be sitting in a coffee shop. Yeah. You're going to be going up to get your, you know, Danish or whatever. You're going to trip, you're going to fall, and you're oh, going to, no. the Danish is going to go hit the ground. You're all right, but the Danish is not all right. He's the kind of guy who sees this out of the corner of his eye, doesn't skip a beat. The next thing, someone's bringing you a new Danish, and they're like, well, I didn't, I didn't ask for a new Danish. I was just going to try and eat this one. And they're like, no. Oh, that guy over there got it for you, right there. That one over there. Are you kidding? And you look over, the- and you look over. There's oh, no one there. He's already left. You oh see? my god! He's like, he's like Lone Ranger. Yep. Danish flies through the air, and there he is. <sighs> the P, he's like a Peter Pan. Peter Pan. And hmm. he's the rich person that he's stealing from, giving oh, it to the oh, poor. Oh, Peter Pan. Peter Pan steals from the rich, gives it to the Peter poor. Peter Pan. What's the other guy? Prince John. What I'm thinking of those. You got the bear. The one that was uh, in Time Man. John. Time Bandits, right. John Cleese. John Cleese. Robin Hood. Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Robin Prince Hood is Thieves. different from Peter Pan, isn't he? Not Waterworld. Totally different movie. That was, you know, that was not a good one. No, it was not good. Uh, it taught us about the possibilities of uh, enjoying our own tinkle on a boat. Tinkle on a boat. Why would it start with that? It seems just the wrong place yeah, to be. it's begin. an unusual decision. Yeah. I've added to, uh, to show notes um, via Amazon the uh, the bag that I like, the Ikea bag, it's called the Fracta. It's probably Fructa. <laughs> the Fructa shopping bag. Right, you can get the bag's got to have a name. Yeah, of course. You get five of them for 12 bucks on the Amazon. Boom, out the door. They're great for everything. You can keep one. You know, I'll tell you, hey, life hack. I take these with me when I travel places because they fold up real small. You can keep it in your suitcase. You can use that for your laundry. You can use that for, for all kinds of different stuff. It's, it's, I'd keep one in the car. And you don't have to keep, you don't have to keep it fully erect. You know, huh? you could get it flaccid and folded, what? which is a great pavement album. And then you get that and you can just keep that in your, in your automobile and you got a Fracta all, however you want. You guys know Fracta. Oh yeah. God, sure. that's a complicated joke. Oh my goodness. Fracta. Fracta me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Japanese rain goggles. That sounds so dirty. So we got uh you got a, you got a lot of topics this week. You have a lot of tech talk this week. Did you want to did you want to share some of that? We also have we have a couple uh, couple things from uh, from listeners I could mention, but I don't want to take you off your tech talk. No, I mean we can do it's your show and do whatever you want. Um, we can do a long one. We can do a long one. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, you know what? It is my show. It is my show. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so two hundred ninety nine episodes, and now we finally can you know operate never, from never the do it. Never do a third episode. <laughs> Um, so we could, um, I'm open for all that. Let's should we look, look at, look, look at all the stuff that you've done. You want to talk about Apple? You got a Dell. Yeah. I, this, you, you've had a crazy week. You're, it's you're going nuts. Big you're, week. You're, you're flipping your big week, huge week. You're converting yep. all of that eBay money into a uh, excellent new gear. Yeah. Right. And you have thoughts on it. Yes. All right. I'll just do a couple of these. All right. Um, Oh, you know what? Just in passing, um, uh, listener Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Listener Jamie um, very uh, intelligently pointed out to us that um, pretty much all of the book suggestions we had for kids were, well, I'm, I'm expanding on this comment, but 
thank you to everybody who's been sending those. But she pointed out that like they're all dudes. They're the lead in pretty much every book, almost all of the books. And uh, and so and I don't have not I've not fully pulled these together yet. But I would like to do um, uh, what can I say some non dude books for kids. All right. And and uh, so I will pull some of hers together. I will pull some of mine together. My daughter is currently listening to an audiobook that is entirely inappropriate for her. That has a great female lead. Did you ever read that book, The Rook? No. It's really good. What's the guy's name? Uh, Daniel Thomas. It's a really good novel. Um, no, Thomas is the name. That's Miffany. Uh, Daniel O'Malley. Mif- Miffany Thomas is the main character. It's a really, really cool book. Good, really good audio book. Um, that I can really recommend. We bought it with money off the Audible. Oh, nice. Real yeah. money? Ready money? Yeah, you know, internet money. Yeah. Bit- Bitcoin. Uh, so, the Bitcoins. I've added the the Rook to show notes. It's a they did a good episode of the Incomparable about it. It's a really good book. All right, let me uh, let me do a couple of these uh, feedback. Uh, this is listeners writing in. I got two pieces of feedback I wanted to share today. One's from listener uh, Gabriel. I just thought this was an interesting question. I don't have an answer, but that's my favorite kind of question is questions I don't have an answer to. Listener Gabriel has a question about kids and phones. Wait, is this Gabriel? Uh, um, brother Gabriel? I don't think this is brother Gabe. Oh, okay. this is uh, this is Gabe's up too. Uh, 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 listener Gabriel, not brother Gabriel, uh, says, I know your children have iPads and similar devices, but I don't think you've talked about if they have phones. What's your rationale for when to give a kid a fully fledged phone? My kid is 12 and has a 5C that only works on Wi-Fi, basically an iPod touch. It's enough for now. He FaceTimes family, et cetera. Not planning on a full phone for a few years. I wanted to hear you talk about this. I thought that was a good question and I, I don't really have a good answer. Fantastic but, uh, question. Yeah, because I think it's it's really super complicated. It's, it's the kind of question where like, Think about how much that the nature of that question has changed in, let's say, definitely the last 10 years, but even the last 15 years, where you could say, like, you could give your kid, like, a little Samsung, like, a little burner in case they have an emergency or something, like, with limited minutes. Um, you could give a kid, like, a little candy bar or a flip phone. Right. Because what are they going to do? They're going to play Snake? Like, what, what are they going to do on it? Right. But now smartphones come along, and boy, that's a whole different kind of thing. Well, so on on the one hand, my daughter has probably spoken on a landline phone definitely fewer than five times that I'm oh, aware yeah. of. Yeah, whole life. She's not un, utterly unfamiliar in the same way that she would be unfamiliar with like record players and cassettes. Like it's it's a completely foreign thing. And further to that, we don't even talk on the phone that much. Like we text with each other. We text with each other inside the house. We've got a little shared message group in iMessages and we just text each other and send cat pictures and stuff. Like while we're in the same room, we send each other stuff. So I think that's a great question. Um, do you have a thought on, I have a couple thoughts. Do you have a thought on this? Yeah. I mean, I, have you, have you thought about this? Like when cash should get a, an actual according to Hoyle phone? I have a thought a lot about this and he has asked for one, not because he wants to make calls, but because the iPod, he has got an iPad and he has an iPod touch a uh, very old one that like doesn't have a front facing camera and, and some other things. And, you know, there, there are a handful of games and things like that, that he wants to play on it that involve a camera and other things. And so he started asking for this and I, it's not yet time. I know it's not yet time, but I'm, I don't really have a plan. I really don't have a plan. Well, you know, I feel like part of it, like so many of the things when we're thinking about what to do with with a kid or really what to do with anybody who's not us is speaking for myself, I tend to go to the most extreme, horrible situation that I can think of 
and that tends to govern my thought on it. And for a long, for a while, that's okay. If your worst conceivable thought is my kid's going to get found and thrown in a van, like if they're five, that's probably a pretty good thought. But if they're nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 17, it becomes different and you have to like set aside some of your personal madness about what you guess the world is like in order to look at like the, uh, as you say, practical components of it. So, I mean, the, I think the reason, what's the reason we don't give them a phone? Well, reasons we don't give them a phone, the big one, the big capital bold letter, red letter reason is potential danger and abuse, right? We don't want, we don't want strangers getting at our kids. I think nobody wants to talk about it, but I think that's probably part of it is you don't want weirdos contacting your kid. Well, or or contacting your kid without you really knowing about it. It's their little private phone that they have off in their, you know, bag or something in their room somewhere. Yeah, maybe Anthony Weiner Googled you and he's like, just, he's got a little extra time. So then, but then that also, the other parts of that are, well, I mean, I know in in many households, there are various levels of strictness about when devices can be used, where devices can be used. Right. So I have several friends that have a policy about the time, like you can't be using it before or after this time. Uh, some, some, uh, close friends of mine have rules like you're not allowed to use it, uh, in your room. You're not allowed to use it after bed. Everybody makes their own decisions about that, but there's something governing all of that, right? It's not, that's not just purely arbitrary. Part of that is that you want them to pay attention to other kinds of things. You don't want them just doing a thing all the time, whether that's eating candy bars or looking at the internet or talking to Anthony Weiner, like you want to limit that time. I think that's that's a natural inclination. And the other one is I don't, you know, related. I don't want them using this in a wholly unsupervised way. But I think when you unpack it, you have to kind of go through that cascade of madness to figure out like, well, what are the actual reasons that they would want or need this? How are they likely to use it? And and just to be a little bit of a dad, how have they demonstrated historically that they can handle things like this in a way that I'm okay with. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Do, do you know if other um, kids in her class have cell phones yet? That's a really good question. I don't, I'm going to say I can't think of any, but I'm going to guess that not, not many, if right. any, but you know, that, you know, I don't think they're encouraged at school. You know, you're not supposed to like have them at school and stuff like that. But you know, she, her class goes, her school goes up to fifth grade. I have to imagine there's some fifth graders who like live on the other side of town, uh, where it wouldn't be surprising at all yeah. that, that they have one. Yeah. And you know, again, I think that's one of the first ways that a parent sort of makes their peace with this is to go, well, this is one way for me to, you know, uh, stay in touch with my kid. It's like Jay Z's mom buying him a drum set, you know. Was it a drum set? Bottom yeah. of jam box. Yeah, jam box. Is that it? Boom box. Boom box. That was her way of keeping him near. <laughs> That's a really good album. It's a great album. It's my favorite Jay Z album. That's the black album, right? Yep. I uh, I go back and forth between that and and uh, the blueprint. I am a big fan of the blueprint. I think the blueprint is maybe one of the all time great rap albums, mm-hmm. but I think. The Black Album is more a time and place kind of thing. And so like it, for me, I connect with that album in a different way. It's too bad he never came back after he retired. No, I know. It's, That's a shame. Well, I miss that guy. Me too. What's he was he born in the project, Roaches and Rats. <laughs> H to the Izzo, Dan to the Dizzy. <laughs> Pushes in my nizzle used to. Um, anyways, I don't listen to music. No. Uh, 
So factors that go into this, I don't want to drag this out, but I do think it, I do think it, there's a reason we all sort of, you know, wring our hands about this because it is really complicated. But the closest analogy that I can think of for where my, based on like where my personal knowledge is like how much I start with thinking about how much should my kid be able to do stuff on her own? What kinds of things can she do on her own? Because, you know, eventually, God willing, she'll go have a life and live in her own place and, and be her own person. But like right now, she's pretty much within eyesight of us almost all the time, unless there's somebody else that we trust taking care of. Right. That. Um, that's the first big step. Boy, when you but first first time you go out for a date or something, even if it's a grandparent watching your kid, remember how crazy you feel? You're like, it feels so weird to not be taking care of that person. Yeah. And that. That takes adjustments. That takes months or years to get used to. But I think about stuff like she's got pals in fifth grade that walk to school because we live, you know, close to her school. And um, and so she wants to walk to school. Mm. And so I think about that and I think, you know, well, there's a pretty busy street that she'd have to cross that is actually empirically dangerous to cross. And so I think about stuff like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm without being a pill, I'm trying to say to her, look, we want you to do more stuff. That's our job. Our job is to get out of the way and let you become a person. Mm-hmm. But so here's what we're, one thing we're looking for. Here's a really easy one. When we do, when we're going to cross the street, um, without me prompting you, I would like you to make sure you lead us to a place where there's a crosswalk. And then I would like you to, in a way that might seem jokey and vaudevillian, I would like to see you do left, right, left. You know, you look left, you look right, you look left right, again. I right. want to make sure you're you're paying attention and listening. And so that's what we're going to be watching. And like when when you when it's clear that that's something you do without having to think about it, that makes it easier for us to say, well, how about you just go work on, you know, crossing the street by yourself while we watch? Sort of like a version therapy, you know? You're scared of snakes so they give you a string. Like you do these little steps. So, I mean, if, you're, if your kid is obviously like super deceptive and trying to talk to Anthony Weiner, a phone is probably not a good option. Right. But if you're seeing the steps that, you know, see, I don't know. I mean, I, I might be being too prescriptive or maybe I'm being too liberal, but I think it's so different for everybody. And it depends on what the expectation is. Is this just a, a, a glossy gizmo that everybody else has? I think you'd want to see how they use those devices when you're around. You could be a little bit sneaky and, and go look at the history and see what they did when you're not around. Mm-hmm. And that might be, and that's good. I mean, it's good that they're doing stuff they're not supposed to do. That's a kid's job. But like, you can go and kind of monitor that and see if they're, you know, trying to buy uh, crystal meth on the dark web or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So what they call it, Dan? Is it that, the dark web? Yeah, the dark web, right. The dark web. Mm-hmm. I have a copy of it here. Oh, nice. What about you? How, how are you going to know it's the time? You know, I don't know. Um, some advice that I was given is, you know, don't don't let your kid be the very last one in their class to get it, but maybe second to last. <laughs> That's a very odd way to make that decision. You know, but just, just that when it's clear that the trend has gone that far and that pretty much everyone else is doing it, then maybe you can't resist it or it's not worth resisting at that point because it's becoming the norm once it becomes yeah. the, the norm, if you agree with it in principle, then I think it's okay to do it up to a certain, you know, like if my daughter's five, if she came back and said, all the other girls who are five in my class have their ear, ears pierced, I would still say, no, it's too soon. Mm-hmm. But if he was, he's turning nine, if he was to come back and say, half my class has a cell phone, I would say no. But if he's like, I'm the only one that doesn't have it, then I would I would consider it. But 
the real question I think for me comes down to like, what is it that he, he wants to do with that and why does it once he has it, he might find himself using it very differently than how he'd expect. It's true. Yeah. So I don't know to, to answer the, um, answer the listener, listener Gabriel. I don't, I don't have a specific example, but I think for just the parent part of the advice, I think if you try to fairly accurately locate your easy, obvious objections, like locate those easy, obvious objections and maybe even write them down. Like here's the five things where it's on like, whoa, no, 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 no. You know, I would say be a little bit uh, analytical about maybe jotting those down and then do a little matrix of like how how much of this is is a hang up kind of fear versus how much of this is like an actual thing that I need to think about in context with how mature the kid is. And then maybe the real, you know, ninja level is like, and what am I not thinking about because I've chosen to look at it in this particular way? That's That to me always feels like a kind of smart way to approach it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm going to say 12. That's the answer. The answer's 12. 12. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm there are no you. easy answers. I'm gonna. I kind of like to let because your daughter's a little older. I like to let you kind of pave the way, and it, if you do it, I can do it. Hmm. 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 Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the communication stuff has not come up a lot. She, especially like when I'm doing a podcast, sometimes I'll have to like text the family group and say, "Hey, you know, I got to turn off Plex in a few minutes," and then I'll just like 700 poop emojis. You know, it's a lot like Jay Z's mom with the with the jam box. That mm-hmm. was that's that's her way. Of her way. God, that's a good song. Woo! December fourth is that what's that, is that what that's called? What's that song called? That one song. Yeah, that's his birthday. December. Oh, he's got a birthday coming up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the name of the song? Am I am I remembering I that right? I thought it was. Huh. Fourth, 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 uh, December fourth. That's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Sean Carter was born December 4th, weighing it. I got to go listen to this now. Right he was now? The last of my, he was the last of my four children, the only one who didn't give me any pain when I gave birth to him, and that's how I knew he was a special child. They say you never really miss me till your daddy you're gone, so on that note, I'm leaving after the song. <laughs> you ever look at Genius? Genius.com, you ever go there? Yes, all the time. Boy, you can go down a rabbit hole there. The Hamilton, the Hamilton songs. You could just spend you could spend two hours on like on, on just my shot. Crazy. A lot, of, uh, a lot of background info there. A lot of background. Um, let me do one. I see. This is a friend of mine, so I want to answer this one. Do it. Uh, okay. This is a uh, uh, listener, uh, uh, Rud Rag. Listener Rud. Hi. He's one of the fun bunch that comes out to the comic meetups. He's he's one of two very handsome uh, brothers who who uh, have swords and stuff like that. They're really cool. He, he says brings, I have a situation. He brings a sword with him. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta protect your neck, as uh, Wu Tang says. Huh. Welcome back to our special 300th hip hop episode. I'm only 19, but my mind is older. I have a situation about email. I'm a high school teacher in Burlingame, California, and I've been getting a dump truck full of emails from uh, students this year that all read something like this: "Quote, dear Mr. Q, I have just turned in an assignment on the school's CMS. Signed, student." <laughs> Yay! Yeah. All right, thanks, student. Nothing attached, such as a copy of the assignment, and no indication about what they actually want me to do. Just the heavy implication that I ought to receive each email as soon as it's been sent, and that I need to drop everything and grade their work immediately. How should I approach this subject with my students to ensure and to encourage that they become more mindful and polite email senders? Thanks for all the great shows. I think that's a good question. Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of thing a lot of people deal with. 
these kind of like zero content emails from people where there's like zero in terms of specific stuff people are telling you that's actionable or asking that's doable and more like it's just, you know, pregnant with implication. Like, oh, so, you know, let me get out my tweezers and my Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass and figure out what you're asking me to do here. <laughs> Apart from say, thanks, thanks for letting me know you did a thing that I'd find out about anyway. My gut is um, it's too late for this this semester, but I, my guess would be, and I'm open to other ideas, my guess would be that's about managing expectations and setting boundaries. Um, you know, and I, I remember some professors being really quite good about this um, in college uh, before anybody was using email. And, you know, that would, that would be a way of saying like, well, here's the expectations. Like, here's the syllabus. This is when stuff is due. This is what due means, right? And also, like, here's how to contact me. Like, if uh, if it's an emergency, well, don't have an emergency. But if you have an emergency, like there's there's this number, but you know you get to use that once maybe ever. Right. But but we have office hours. If you want to come in for office hours, I have office hours. That's when I'm available. Now I understand things are different today in these millenniums. They want access all the time. But I I think you have to set some kind of an expectation when you give people that information. I think it's really useful to say what it's for and what they can expect. I'm sure Red's already done this, but that to me is a smart way to proceed. Do, do you know what I mean? I totally like, do. I think it, it's, it's weird because the, the whole concept of this, the person who sent that email, there's so much that's already so many assumptions and presuppositions that are built into the fact that they would send that email, that there is actually a culture hiding behind it in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? That kind of tell me more. Well, that, like, that there's that there's something is that something like uh, is that one of those BuzzFeed things that only a '90s kid would understand? Like, is there something like that? that other 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 millennials or whoever in in college, they, they're all going to understand this. They're all going to understand that because. And I've had lots of conversations with. I have. I keep a small group of millennials on hand to refer to and communicate with and learn from. Sort of like like a herd of goats. I mean, that's that's kind of how I see it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll say, you know, the general consensus is email is antiquated, obtuse. It's for old people. And so the fact that they need to use email to communicate at all, it, it's a, it is a foreign place. It would be equivalent to like, if you told me that the, the way I needed to communicate was you, with you would be to go and, you know, like set up a Gutenberg press and run off a, or, or, or just as simple as you text me and I say, could you just send me a letter about this? Right. Send you a letter and like, and like print, like pr- hand write a letter and put a stamp on it and go to the post office with it. That sounds absurd to me when it would be so much easier to just talk to you or text you or even email you. But to them, that's how they feel about email. I think the, and, and they, they and all of their friends kind of agree upon this, that it is an accepted norm for them. And the fact that, that person is using the email at all is a huge step for them. It's a, it represents a huge obstacle that they've overtaken. The fact that they should have to do any more than just do this type, because maybe the, maybe the, maybe the teachers uh, said, please email me when you've uploaded this. Or maybe they said, use email to communicate with me. I don't know what the background on it is, but this person clearly is doing it begrudgingly. This, that's the tone that came across to, to me. 
Well, yeah, it's just they don't well, think like, they should have to do the email. But like some, like well, yeah. But I mean, it's like it's there are like so many things in life and things we talk about on here. It it can be useful and humane to think about the impact of your actions not as a single action, but how they would scale up if ten times more people did what you did. If ten times more people, so if you pick up a piece of trash and throw it away. Like imagine a world where 10 times more people do that today than tomorrow. Mm. Hmm, that, that's a vision I can live with. Sure, it could have an impact. We might have to empty the trash cans more, but that feels like a, like a nice move. I was in line at a, at a, at a takeout restaurant and there was this, this older, um, older Chinese lady whose English was not particularly good being very particular about her order. She wanted to spend a certain amount of money for like a certain package of goods. And she was taking a really long time. And this woman comes up behind me and goes, ah, oh, how long has she been at it? And I turned to her and I did this. Hmm. And I gave her a smile. Because like, you don't know that woman. You don't know what her deal is. Right, sure. Like, of course, she's probably the same kind of person that's always trying to use old coupons at Walgreens, which does make me mad. But, but I mean, you know, so the thing is, though, like that lady behind me, did she make the world better by being a dick? No, not really. She was trying to have some common cause with another white person about this Chinese lady, I think. I think that was her kind of um, implication. But like, you know, who wants 10 times more of that? And who wants 10 times more of somebody basically being a cron job for using a computer? Like, I don't, pff, dude, you don't need to tell me that. So, so here's, here's my thought on that. One observation. Um, my observation is when I really think about this in the fullness of time, there's a part of me that really feels like one of the huge disruptors of the last couple decades and one of the things that really changed culture in a way that may not have been totally obvious at the time was the uh, widespread use of Blackberries. Like you think about, if you think about like, you know, email used to be a thing you do at a computer. You right, know, it, right. email was a thing where you ha kind of had to be somewhere to do it. So, you know, even if you had a smartphone and you could send email, it was not super easy to do. The connectivity was usually, if you're using like an old Palm, like the connectivity was not good. It was, you know, kind of wonky to use. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to be a little bit of a cultural critic here. Um, BlackBerry is an email sending machine. And if you remember the days of Blackberries before everybody had an iPhone, you would just see these people looking like they were draining a wound, just sitting there like angrily banging on their Blackberry with their thumbs. Like every spare moment, the Blackberry people were doing something with email all the time, probably in many cases with other people who were on Blackberries who did stuff with email all the time. So I can't prove this. Maybe when the big book about email is written someday, like this will be clearer. But I think things like the BlackBerry in particular, really being an email machine that you could use anywhere reliably and your company like required you to have like cleft to your hip all the time. Right. Like I think that probably had a pretty big role in changing the culture's view about what kinds of communications were acceptable. And I, you know, whether or not millenniums want to use, um, want to use uh, email today, I think that you can certainly look at things like social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, texting, you know, Snapchat, all that stuff. But those expectations are definitely different. I think it is up to Rudd or any other teacher or leader person. Um, and again, this is probably too late for this semester, but I think it's useful to talk about, about what those, what the expectations are. So you can say to them, like my teachers did, like, here's, here is the, uh, syllabus and here's what do means and here's what late means and these are the consequences follow these rules and we'll get along fine but also in terms of communication i think i think you have to say 
you really have, like in this case, it might be useful in the next class to say, hey, and you can anonymize this by saying, I noticed, you know, uh, several of you have been um, emailing me after you've uploaded something to the CMS. I appreciate that. You don't need to do that. Right. Um, please don't do that. If, if you have something specific, and then, then again, now part two of that is, if you have something specific you need from me, here's the channel to use for that. And here's how you can expect me to respond to that. Again, we go back to the great Mike Montero and uh, the guy who was always the genius to me of setting expectations with clients, which is like, you can count on me to do a really, really good job with this. And that's because I'm going to treat you like an adult. I'm not going to tell you things that aren't true. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be cheaper than it's going to be. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be faster than it's going to be. Here's what you're going to get. And we're going to go through these little gateways together. And here's what we, I think we should expect of each other. Can you get with that? And um, again, if that's a client and you get to choose that, that's one thing. But um, I'm thinking here of this story from last month that went around. Oh God, Business Insider. In any case, this is apparently a true thing. National Health Service in England, uh, 1.2 million employees were sent an email. So basically, something happened, something went wrong, and 1.2 million employees got this same email. And can you guess what happened? People started responding and saying, hey, I think you sent this to me accidentally. Could you take me off this list? Right. You've had this happen in, oh, yeah. in like an office with 10 people. Yeah. Imagine that with 1.2 million people. They talked about this on uh, Cortex a few weeks ago and CGP Gray was saying this is the kind of thing where like he's been in, in like universities where a blip, a mistake like this is something that doesn't really go away for months or even years. Wow. You're still going to see a trickle of people responding to that or having some that, that goes on and on and on. But you don't fix it by replying all to say stop replying all. You have to go out of the band. So, I mean, maybe in class, bringing that up, you know, um, and if it's one person that's doing it an awful lot, I think you got to talk to them offline, but that, you know, managing expectations is such an important thing, but I'm, I'm just to be clear here, I'm not saying just go and be a unilateral dick title. Like you, you go in and you say, well, here's what I expect of you. Here's what you can expect of me. Here's the ways that we're going to be communicating with each other. Cause you do need to establish that as the leader. You say, here's the, here's the channels that we're going to use. And here's how, we, what we can expect from each other when we use that. Right. That might be kind of up in the clouds, oh, but I, I, that's, that's the only sane way that I can think of. Hmm. I mean, I don't know what what could happen that would that would help him though going into it in the long run without sounding temperamental. Well, it's the same way that I I think if you do it well, I'm not saying I did this well, but one thing I would try to do when dealing with any kind of client, any kind of hired job. Um, and I always wished I were better at this, but on my best day, I would be able to say it needs to cost this much because that's what it costs for me to do a good job on this. It's going to take this long because that's, again, this is, I'm kind of just citing chapter and verse on Mike Montero here, but it's going to take this long because that's how long it takes. You know, having, having 20, 20 people have a baby, it still takes nine months. Like that's, this is going to take this long. Um, I'm quoting mythical man month there, but you know, I, I think, um, I think you I think you have to I think you have to establish to establish any credibility. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You just have to say in order for this machine to work, we all have to agree to use it in a similar way. Like if everybody goes to the vending machine and puts in a dollar and gets their gets their funyuns out of it, everything will be fine. If there's one person who thinks they should be able to hit it with a hammer and get free funyuns, well that's outside the norm. And you can just say like that's that's not how this machine works. And, um, so I don't know, but I mean, I, I imagine it's especially a challenge when you're dealing with people who are, so what does that mean? If you're in, uh, in high school, you're 15, you were born in 2001. I mean, a lot has 
Think about that. Yeah. Think about people whose exposure to technology is since 2001. Every, kind of everything has, you know, I mean, go, just go back to anyone that's born. You guys, that's weird to think that, you know, 2007 yeah. with the iPhone coming out changed so much, changed everything really yeah. in the way that yeah. we think of technology and how we use it and what's important. I mean, think about, think about that as a turning point. When I visited uh, universities and colleges over the years, there's many themes that repeat themselves um, and one of the things that has come up a lot, and I haven't done this in a while, but visiting campuses and talking to mostly faculty and sometimes staff, one thing that comes up a lot is that um, email and like basically dealing with student communications almost becomes its own part-time job. That like in addition to all the stuff you have to do to do your stuff, there's this whole other layer of expectation. Uh, and I, I don't think this is meant to be unkind or... I'm trying to avoid the word entitled, but that they feel those students are not thinking about how many people are in that class. They're not thinking about how their particular style or preferred style of communication scales up. They just know they want an answer and that that is very much a known issue because then you start, if students are not getting the responses that they want, guess what? You get a bad evaluation. They start contacting the dean. They start saying that you, you're unresponsive. Right. So, I mean, I think this is very much of a known issue, but... Yeah, I mean, but the truth is, you know, you you need to have those channels in place, but you've also got to just have some kind of expectation. Sorry, that went longer than I thought. Anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for writing in, uh, listeners. Good luck with your iPhones and your emails. Dump truck. Dump truck. I want to hear about all your your tech stack. You want to tell me about the second thing that you like? Yeah, let me tell you about Meh. 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 These guys, these guys are the worst. Oh, they are the worst. They are the worst. Don't even go there. Don't go to meh.com. No. Super frustrating. Don't look at the stuff they're doing. Don't do it. Don't Google it. No, don't go. Definitely don't Google it. See, now I'm going there like an animal. What they do. Tell me about meh. What happened with these guys? What's their deal? These guys came up out of the, they're like the original OG crew from Woot before Woot went, they sold in, uh, and went to, went to bad. So they came back and they did it the right way. And basically it's a product a day. And there's a really cool community that has grown up around this product a day concept. So there, there are people, they make these really funny videos. There's people talking to each other. But basically, what what is it? This is a site you go to every morning and you say, what kind of crap are they selling? And today they've got Turtle Beach Ear Force i60 wireless gaming headset with 7.1 surround sound which are these gaming headphones, but they sound really good. They have them for 75 bucks. And normal price is going to be uh, 111 at Amazon. Jiminy. And this is the kind of thing that they do. They come in there and they, uh, they, they have stuff. Yesterday, they had the Panasonic uh, handheld immersion blending system. They've hand, had something... Hand, hand blender? Yeah. Earlier this week, I think it was... Was it... Monday or Tuesday, they had the Martian Notifier watch, Whoa. which is really cool. Uh, wow. And I, miss, I missed out on it because I was moving that day and I didn't get to get it. But this is like one I absolutely would have gotten. It's oh, this cool looking watch that like pairs up with your, um, with your phone and, and you get like notifications on it, but it looks like a regular watch. I mean, they have cool stuff on here every day and it's really, really, really cheap. 
I don't know how they do it. I guess are they buying up like a, like a buying up a lot? I don't know how they do they're it. They're probably buying by the pallet. Something like that. They get a couple pallets, and when it sells out, it's gone. So Done. by the time you hear this, Done so. that Turtle Beach Air Force I-60 wireless gaming headset with 7.1 surround sound is going to be gone. Done so. But this is what they do. And they're, uh, they have a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun with their community. And they have these great videos that are on there. And uh, it's just, it's a fun, it's a fun place to go. I go there every morning and see what kind of thing they've got. Go check them out. Meh, M-E-H, meh.com. Or don't. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. They probably don't care. They certainly don't care. No, they don't. Very lackadaisical. Yeah. Yeah. So do or don't. Do there or is don't. No. Whatever. Mm-hmm. What? Hmm. What does he say? What does he say? We were watching, we were in a hotel room and that was on, what is it? He has this, the, maybe one of the worst Yoda lines ever. <laughs> what was happening? Around the survivors, a perimeter, a perimeter create. Oh God. Around the survivors, a Did, perimeter would he create. Have to, would he have to do, say it like that? No, it doesn't even. Stupid. Ugh. He's not an idiot. No, he's not. He's a Yoda. You know what I'm saying, though? I do know. I do know. It's insulting. Shame on them. He's not an idiot. It's a perimeter create. Sickening. Sickening. He should be a puppet, too. Don't get me started. Ah. So, Dan, tell me about some of your uh, your tech stack. What's going on with you? Tech stack. You've been, you've been uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You've been... You've been um, You've been uh, experimenting in the dark waters of, uh-huh. uh, of uh, PCs. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing, a bunch of people have tweeted to me saying, how do you like your new MacBook Pro? Because we talked about it and I said that I had ordered one. And I, I forgot to mention on the subsequent show that I had canceled the order on, right, right really close to, uh, to the ending of that show right afterwards later that day. I canceled it. And the reason I canceled the order is... Um, I have, I have a MacBook pro it's four, almost four years old. And the, the biggest complaint that I have is I wish it had more Ram when you're doing rails development as I am having extra Ram comes in handy. You've got to run a local copy of Postgres database and you've got to run the server process and you've got, you know, TextMate and some browsers and things like that. And having a lot of Ram and, you know, half the time I might have to fire up Photoshop to edit something. So there's a lot of stuff going on at once. The extra RAM keeps things uh, keeps things copacetic. It, it's helpful. But when I got this machine, it is the low. It was or is the lowest end machine that you could get at the time. It, you could have gotten them with sixteen gigs of RAM. I got it with eight. I was not planning on it being my primary machine as it has been for a f- couple of years, and. Uh, so that was a, another mistake that I made. If I had gotten it with sixteen, now of course everyone knows. You can't upgrade the RAM in the in MacBook Pros or any really any Macs anymore easily. Yikes! And so I've been on eight gigs of RAM when I really I've never had a machine with the exception of an Air that I had at one point that only had eight, eight gigs since since sixteen or more was available. I've always had whatever was you know whatever I could go and and get it get it more. It, and I realized I said you know what I'm taking it's taking away a lot of things that I like and that I use. And, uh, and the only thing that I'm gaining really that I want is more Ram, but it didn't make sense to me to take a machine that, that pretty much works, that has all the ports that I use all the time without adapters and a a row of keys that I still prefer to be keys because I'm old fashioned and 
losing those things and gaining eight gigs more of RAM and have to spend you know twenty three hundred bucks to do it, it's or whatever. It's not a two thousand dollar eight gigs of RAM is not a two thousand dollar upgrade for me because there's nothing wrong with this machine that I have except that I wish I had a little more RAM. So I decided I talked myself out of getting the new one. I canceled the order. And they, they seem like beautiful machines. I've seen them in, in the store. The color is great. Look really cool. But the bigger issue for me, and we talked a little bit about this, I believe, on, on the subsequent episode, is that right now, there really isn't a Mac that I want to buy. There really isn't a Mac that if I had no Mac today, I feel like anything that I would buy would be a little bit wrong for for me or maybe a lot wrong depending on which one i got um i i realize that things are changing and i i'm okay with that pcs and macs in general but the the world of the personal computer has been relatively the same for a very very long time you know looking at uh at, at what we think of as a computer today and what we think of what we thought of as a computer back in the 80s is really pretty much the same thing once we got hard drives, computers haven't changed that much. You know, yes, screens got thinner and much, much higher resolution. Um, you know, the keyboards got smaller and, and arguably better. Um, things got much, much faster, etc. But these are just step-by-step evolution in, in the process of how can we make the things that are already here better? Nothing has really significantly changed. And... Mm. You know, when, when you uh when you when you look at what computers are available that Apple's making, and I remember remarking, very vividly remarking on this, back when Apple changed its name from Apple Computers Inc. to Apple Inc. I remember remarking many times, this is just an example that they are a consumer electronics company, not a computer company anymore for a very very long time apple was a computer company it was in their name it was in their dna and i would even argue that despite the ipod and the success of the ipod and despite the iphone and the success of the iphone that uh, a company the 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 steve jobs era of apple although the focus was at the end there on the iphone on the ipad on things like that that the concept of the computer was still very much part of Apple's core DNA and that now today it is not it is a supportive technology it is a supportive technology the Mac is a supportive technology for Apple uh, and if we look at Apple in that way I think it it explains a lot of where they are and where their focus is and the way that they work. They have absolutely gone where the money is. They have gone to focus on things like the iPhone. And the iPhone is enough for Apple. If you take away everything else that they do and just keep the iPhone and the ecosystem around it, that's fine. I don't think that's what Apple wants, but... All these statements uh, from Apple saying, "Oh, of course we love the Mac. We love the Mac. Of course we're still going to make make a Mac. We love we love it. Look at what we're look at this amazing portable computer we've given you. Well, no, you you haven't given us an amazing portable computer. You've given us what you wanted to give us. You've given us your concept of what you think we should be using, regardless of what we actually 
want to be using. And you know what? That's okay. There are a lot of people who are going to get this machine, and I've heard from a lot of people on Twitter who love it. My God, it's great. It's light. The color's awesome. The battery's great. You know what? I don't really miss the function keys. I never use the escape key anyway. And who cares? I wasn't plugging things into this computer anyway. Of course, I'm picking on the laptop, but go look at the desktop side. It gets even worse. Mm -hmm. It gets Mm -hmm. even worse because... The, okay, so I, I will ask you, and I have an answer if you'd rather me just answer, what are the main reasons in 2016, 2017, what are the main reasons someone might get a desktop computer? And I would include in that uh, a, a, you know, a PC, an iMac, and a Mac Pro. Let's put the, the laptops aside for a second. What do you because, think, though? Because you, because you need a workhorse. Right. And for various people, that could be you, you want a big screen, you want an a unconscionably large hard drive, or you want a lot of firepower. You, you, in the case of like a gaming PC, exactly, yeah. you might want the most tricked out and powerful thing available. Because um, that's historically, there's a, a sort of certain kind of computer buyer and I, I do want to I do want to respond to some of this because I have thoughts on this. But but no, t- the answer to me is somewhat obvious, which is like I don't need the portability nearly as much as I need the power. Right. Whether that power is a giant screen, whether that power, you know, wh- whatever it is, maybe I, I don't want even have to think about dongles. Like I want this thing to have butt tons of ports. I don't want to have to think about any of this stuff. This is how I'm used to thinking about a computer, and I I want it to be the best and most powerful at everything, and I'm willing right. to pay for it. Right. I think that I think you totally nailed it. I think those are the reasons why. Apple, I don't think, I mean, with the exception of the fact that they provide uh, a lot of technology for people who are doing video editing and and audio editing and things like that, I don't really think that that they care very much about those people for a long time. And I'm reminded of this because some of the things that I was donating and selling and giving away were my two Mac Pros. I had a 2008 Mac Pro that once belonged to Marco and a 2009 that I bought and and had since the beginning. And I I got rid of both of those. And this was like a bygone era. Like, wow, I've had that thing since 2009. Mm-hmm. And for many, many years, it was my main machine. And it's very cool looking. And it's this solid, huge thing. But it looks very much like something from a bygone era. Well, why did I, you know, why am I so focused on this? Well, because my son is uh is very much into gaming and gamers not not console games he has almost no interest in console games almost none at all like his dad and i loved pc the world of pc gaming i played all the quakes all the dooms all the team fortresses all of that stuff i loved it always loved 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 playing computer games and generally speaking although there are a lot of games for the mac that will come out Primarily, they are for PCs, that is to say, Windows PCs. And there are a lot of people who would respond and say, why buy your son a PC? Why not run Windows on a Mac? Well, that's actually what I'm doing right now. I have a Cylinder uh, Mac Pro, which was my main machine, uh, that I gave to him because his Mac Mini couldn't run any of the games. It couldn't do anything. And I need that Mac Pro back. And I thought, you know what? It's time for him to get a computer that actually is is what he really wants and lines up more with where he's going and what he wants to be, to be doing, which right now is gaming. And I've already been running windows on, uh, on this Mac pro. But the interesting thing is the, the modern concept of gaming 
there's a certain graphics card, a certain amount of RAM, a certain kind of CPU. All of these things, they're impossible to find equivalents of. The, the, the graphics on, on Mac just doesn't get close to what you, can, what you can do on the PC side. It doesn't even get close, Merlin. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, no, I've, I've heard this, yeah. So I used to, my own background, uh, for, for probably about a half dozen years, I ran a, uh, I, I ran two different companies where I was building PCs. The first one of them was a, a just, just building straight up like Windows PCs. And I had been doing this on the side. And the company that I worked for, my boss said, uh, we need to upgrade all the PCs on this floor. And it was probably about 100, 200 machines. And she said, you know, go get me a quote from, you know, I forget what the big companies were back then, probably Gateway and whatever. And, uh, and I came back and with the quotes for what they needed to be the minimum specs. And she said, God, that's, that's a lot of money. Can you do any better? I said, actually, I can do better. I have this business building PCs. I can, uh, I, I could, I could build them and, and sell them at a discounted cost. And I, I made some good money doing that, but I went and bought all of them and built them all myself. And, uh, and you know, every day I'd build three, four, five PCs and expanded that into a business. I ran that business for a while and eventually I moved to like selling free BSD servers for people who wanted to host, you know, their own website back in the T1 days. And so like I have a lot of experience building PCs, but I've been out of it for a long time. So I kind of dove back into it and saw, okay, like this is where we are today. This is how things go together. This is, this is the, what we do with cooling and all of that stuff. And even when pricing things out individually, I found that you, you can save some money on some parts, but overall, if you just want a no, no hassle kind of a deal, that there are companies out there that you can go and for a little bit more than you'd spend on parts and building it yourself, you can go and have someone else build it, test it, deploy it, and get support for it so you don't have to be the one on the hook for everything. And, uh, and so that's what I wound up doing. Alienware used to be like one of the best gaming computers around, and they uh, were bought by Dell. And then uh, they kind of like their prices went up a little bit higher than they should. But the Cyber Monday and uh, and and Black Friday deals, uh, you can I saved like five hundred bucks on the machine by doing that. The long story short, like we're getting a we're getting an Alienware Dell delivered uh, this weekend. Wow, exciting! So he's super excited about it. He doesn't care Windows Mac. He doesn't care. Sure, he yeah. just wants to play his games, but. There is no, for 1500 bucks. I got uh, an i7-6500 with a, a GeForce GTX 1080 with 8 gigs of RAM in it. You know, like 16 gigs of RAM, uh, one of those little M2 256 gig boot drives. It's like a flash drive to boot, three terabytes of a 7200 spinning drive. 1500 bucks. There's nothing on the Mac side that gets even close to that. And it's, you know, you people are going to argue and say, oh, but it's always been that way. We Mac users have, and for the record, I've been a Mac user since I was 11 years old or an Apple user. I've always preferred Apple. I've always preferred Mac. And I, for me, myself, I don't want to use Windows. I can really, I can't use Windows. Rails development on Windows is a miserable pro- prospect. But it's just, it's, it, the divide has gotten so wide that now I couldn't get a machine like this that will do what this machine will do for him 
I couldn't even get that on the Apple side. It doesn't exist on the Apple side. It's not right. like it's more right. money. That would be fine. If it was more money, I'd say, fine, I'll get it, and then we'll put Windows on it. That's fine. At least it'll still be a Mac at heart. Uh, no, like that, those days are gone now. And, and that's just, it's a weird thing to me because I think for myself, this computer company is no longer a computer company. This brand that I'd always closely associated with is, is no longer really making a lot of the stuff that I want. Like I love my iPhone and it's still the best phone, smartphone in, I think in the world. But the idea that I'm saying that now, just a few years ago, I was saying that about my Mac. I was like, this is the best computer in the whole world. Well, I still think that Mac OS is uh, much, much better for me than, uh, than anything Microsoft is doing. And it's much more usable than any Linux uh, thing. You know, KDE's come a long way, but come on. But I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a very weird, you know. But if I, if I can kind of release this concept of the, this is my company. This is my computer company. Like these guys understand right, me and they're making right. something for me. They're, well, they're not. Because they always have. Right, because they always have. It's, it's one thing that is uh, really perplexing in, in what you're describing. And uh, I have two, two parts to this. The, the, the first and easy part is I agree. Um, this is something we, I feel like we've been talking about this for at least a year. Um, and it started in different product lines, but it seems to have kind of uh, infested every product line except the iPhone. Is that none of the choices, there's no easy choice for almost anything anymore especially with the computer stuff. Um, and without getting into a lot of histrionics about, yeah, I know the Mac Mini, uh, but, but like even with like what they finally do to decide to put out, it's more than just trade-offs. I mean, there's, it feels like there's more downsides than upsides to almost any purchasing decision right now, which is, first of all, because of, I, I guess, because of constraints with the Intel chips. There's only so much RAM you can put in these. But, you know, whatever the reason for that is, it seems ridiculous to have these limits on RAM if that's what you're used to. It also seems ridiculous that it's so, these things are so costly now. Um, the, the the range of what's available seems really confusing. There's there's not one of these, like pretty much it feels like for the past, I don't know, what, eight, ten years, you really could say to somebody, yeah, you know what, go go buy something with this name on it. Like this Apple iMac, like you will do pretty well with that. They just got updated. You can get this MacBook Air if you want an economical computer. Like you can feel good about that. But maybe I guess arguably starting with the um, the MacBook One or whatever we were calling it. Right. Um, you know, it became clear that, that these trade-offs are something that are not just merely an experiment, but that they're doing something kind of revolutionary. In the past, you would have something like the original MacBook Air, which almost seems just like a proof of concept. Sure. It was it was so underpowered. Uh, some of them, I think, actually might have had, you could get like an, a non-SSD drive in them. It became hot enough you could cook food on it. They got so hot. Um, but then those did become these really amazing computers that were the one that my wife has is like, it's one of the best laptops I've ever seen. But so on that one hand, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, it is it is frustrating that it, it feels like for people who are used to using a powerful Mac, it seems obvious to us as people who have always had access to a tricked out Mac. If you got the money, you could get a Mac that's really like really quite good and will definitely hold you in good stead for several years. That does not, that's not the case anymore, especially at the, as you say, especially at the end of like people who are doing development and definitely for gaming, that feels like a big hole. 
So anyway, the and other yeah, part of this, people will say, and I want to, I don't want to interrupt. Pa- pause what you're saying. Yeah. People will say, well, you know what? Macs have never been gaming machines. They've never been really designed at, at gaming. Forget what we used to do with Bungie and the other things. Like they're not, they're not gamers machines. Gamers machines have always been Windows and, and console machines, and that's true. And that's, I'm not talking about that. This is a special case with gamers, but. It, it's it's just a point that that's saying it used to be you could buy a Mac Pro yeah. and upgrade the card mm-hmm. to something uh, state of the art. Absolutely. Right. I mean, the Mac Pro, the Mac Pro that I the 2000. I, so I have mine was very old. But like if you had a 2006 or two, even a 2009, say a 2009 Mac Pro, Mac Pro, you could do some amazing stuff to that. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of it being a Mac Pro was, yes, it was powerful, but it was also very, very expandable. And you could get non Apple additions to this. That would do things that an out of the box Apple machine wouldn't do, and it would mostly work just fine. And that was that was the power user option: was you buy this box and then put stuff in it. And now the Mac Pro, now, you know, it is what it is. It hasn't been updated in three years, and it's it's sorely lagging in terms of keeping up with where the technology goes. So I, I, I'll try to keep this short because I know this is not particularly novel or insightful, but this is my thought technology for this. I'm not saying this makes me happy, but this is how I choose to look at this and understand it, to try and rationally understand why things are happening the way they are. And we've talked before about how, you know, hey, you know, you and I are bummed because there's all this stuff these computers can't do that we're used to being able to do, but they're probably fine for most people heading off to college. My, my one th- thought technology, the one kind of template I want to lay down on this is you and I are still talking mostly like people who have been using apples for 20 to 30 years or whatever. And what we're accustomed to, well, that was a really, really long time ago. And I, I, the thought technology for me is, okay, let's, this is, you know, I'm always wanting to bring up this funny example. Like what if I don't matter? Well, what if I don't matter? What if my opinions don't matter? What if instead of trying to please people with their ideas, that have accreted over the last 30 years, Mm -hmm. they're thinking about who they want buying Apple products in the next five to 30 years. And so just for the sake of argument, imagine a meeting where everybody gets together and says, let's, let's take everything off the table about expectations from the last 30 years. And just as a thought experiment, let's say, what would we make if we wanted to make the devices and products for people who are 16 or 17 now, people who might, you know, have some pretty good dough to spend in 10 years, what are they going to want in this? And if you take it from that point of view and think about what the next generation of Apple consumers looks like, this stuff might make more sense. It's an awkward time because us olds are here being unhappy about how, how all this works. Is the Mac going to go away? I doubt it. You need a Mac to make iOS apps. Like that, that's, that's this one, at this point, the, a load-bearing wall is that in order to make those, you need a Mac. Do you need a Mac that's as powerful as a Mac Pro to do that? Not really. So that, that to me is helpful in understanding this. And I, I don't even really, I don't even, I've been struggling to think of an analogy that's appropriate for this and I can't find one, but I feel kind of a little bit, you know, they always use like the, the truck versus car analogy and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, but, yeah. but think about, think about this where, you know, somebody who was my age in the early eighties might say, well, you know, I've got this, whatever, maybe not a Macintosh, but like a really nice stereo, like maybe not, not I don't know, I'm rants, I don't know, but you've got this nice, really excellent, you've got a Techniques turntable, you've got, you've been very picky about which amplifier you've got, you've got this particular tuner, you've got these speakers that are exactly how you want, you've got your collection of vinyl that that is like very um, 
very special and important to you. You take really good care of your vinyl. You clean the clean the the LPs each time. You have really good needles. You got you know you got everything set up a certain way, and then you got a kid, a child, a you know let's say a teenager mm-hmm. who wants nothing more in this world than a sixty dollar boombox, and. That $60 boombox, it's it's such a different kind of animal. It's it doesn't you can't do anything with those records. The sound quality is crap. The things that you p- do put in there are these cassettes which are as you know as an LP fan are a total ripoff. These things are not going to have any kind of longevity. You got a three-band equalizer that isn't even really correct. Yeah, right. There's no there's no bass response from this. There's uh, you know, I, and maybe I'm exaggerating, but like that's where I'm trying to put myself. I'm trying to imagine that like instead of this being computers, let's say I am console stereo dad who still has his really tricked out, say, $5,000 stereo from the 70s. Maybe one he built himself over time. Who knows? But if you're an audiophile, it would seem completely bananas to you that you would have this little toy that plays these little spinning cassettes that are garbage and with their garbage music, of course. But that's what that generation wanted and arguably needed the portability of that boombox running on batteries and being able to play run DMC wherever you happen to be right. was way more important to, than them to them than what would go into all of that stuff. Now I, 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 I'm just, I'm stipulating that that is not a perfect analogy, but that's pretty close where pretty close in that sense of that 50 year old guy or 45 year old guy or whatever at that time would look at that and go, you can't even compare these two things. Why don't they keep making great stereos for me? Well, they're not because you're going to be dead pretty soon. They're, they're only going to sell you so many more stereos in life. They need to figure out now somebody like Fisher or somebody like Magnavox or any of those people, they're, they're going to have to figure out how to sell it to this next generation. And keeping you guys happy with your console stereos is not going to grow the business. They gotta, as they say, they have to skate to where the puck is going. And in that case, they could see, oh my God, these people are buying Walkmans. They're paying a hundred dollars for this, for this really this weird little device that plays these cruddy little cassettes. And that's just a snapshot in time. But that's how I think it's useful to look at this, to not necessarily make yourself feel better, but to at least understand where Apple's going with this. Apple rarely does super stupid stuff for no reason. Right. They may do stuff we don't understand. But and we they certainly do things that we may not like. But I think in order to understand it, you've got to take off these these thirty year old goggles about how computers should work and look at the market that's emerging. Like, are people going to have? I mean, who knows how that's going to change? Think about how many people now are comfortable typing on an iPad. Even over five or six years, people who have gotten people who are younger are so comfortable typing on an iPad. It seems crazy to us because it's supposed to seem crazy to us. So that's my way, not of making us feel better about this, but of trying to understand it, Mm -hmm. that we are in, I think we may be in a very difficult, very painful transitional period where what we think Apple is, is changing really vastly. I mean, when people came up with the iPod, I mean, go go find those the slash dot threads about the iPod yeah, and what right. a terrible idea it was. Because look, you can get this one that's so much more powerful that's that's like the size of a spare tire, and it's cheaper. And but that's not where they were going with that, and that became part of an ongoing revolution. So I don't know. I don't. That's not very comforting. But that's the way that it's come to make sense to me. Is I'm imagining a room where I don't matter. <laughs> Title. Yeah. And that's that's the room where they're thinking about what comes next now. You know, does that explain all of this? No, it doesn't explain these these weird pricing things. But like Apple puts wood behind the arrow where they think it's going to matter. If they thought this really mattered, they would be doing it. 
I mean, you see people like Marco. Marco is clearly, he's trying to keep his cool, but he's clearly having a serious dark night of the soul about the future of Apple. I mean, he he seems really genuinely worried about what's going to happen. Now, I don't blame him because I don't think he's their demo. Um, I think their demo is people who can't afford a computer yet and may not even buy a computer. Whatever that is, whatever that thing is going to be. Could you ever imagine you would use your phone this much 10 years ago? Absolutely not. It's right. ridiculous. 11 years ago, whatever. Uh, no, nine years ago. Yeah, nine years ago. But you but you never would have imagined that this would become so important that it's how you would get into your garage and how you would authenticate for a website right. and how you would like post like pro quality videos. I have to do a vlog. Um, I'm resuscitating a vlog as a challenge for Dubai Friday. And I was bugging all my friends about what to do on my iMac. My iMac is poop compared to my phone. Right. I'm going to do this on my freaking iPhone 6S because it's actually better than doing it on the Mac. Who could have imagined that? So I think the the, the two big questions, well, the, the giant, giant question is what's going to happen? Because, and then second, will what happens in the future help us better understand this seeming chaos right now? And I'm, I'm agreeing. Like, I, it was not a Mac I want to buy right now. God, no. <laughs> but like, why do they let these things die on the vine? Because maybe that vine's going to get clipped off at some point. Maybe this turns into something else. We, we, just, we just don't know, but we can't help but be bummed about it because that's what we've come to expect. Isn't that unsatisfying? Does yeah. that make you sad? No, it does. And it, I want to be in the demo. Well, you know, and we have we have been in the demo for a very, very long time. I, I officially aged out of the demo uh, in the past week. So enjoy it. Take care of oh, it. Shut right, the lights yeah. off when you're done. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 like uh, in uh, like Kanye says in, uh, in in can't tell me nothing. Like this is my day. Like this isn't our day anymore. Yeah. You know, like we are we are now. Out, far outside of the target audience but on the other hand like so is my kid so is my nine-year-old you know but like how could i mean let, let's just let's spin this out just a little bit if we go with my little fantasy that this is something that happened that there's there's a room where we talked about who's relevant that where, where there were some some tastemakers talking about at apple talking about like who is the relevant demo for who they're trying to reach in the next 10 years well the thing is gaming pcs are always going to be available how would they ever compete with that? Right. Right. And then think also about the cultural, the cultural um, evolution of making, I've talked about this in a couple other places, but I feel like the trend with Apple is that if you really look at everything since Steve came back, it's been a real march, not just toward thinner, smaller, lighter, but also toward consolidating the stack. They want more and more parts of that to be their stuff that they control not just for money reasons it could be for design reasons taste reasons could be for scalability reasons but they want to uh, have that stack be reliable and to the extent possible be owned by them and taking out every little piece of that that could mess up their perfect little art object i think that's part of the big move whether that's removing uh removing um ports if we start opening our, our heads to the idea that every period is a transitional period, this seems less weird. If you were to really willfully look at this last year as a transitional period, a lot of stuff that happened would not seem as weird. It's just because we're trying to understand, like, oh, is this is this the revolution? Well, it's not yet. yet. I mean, but um, so, I mean, I don't know. There's History has shown a lot of stuff I thought I needed on the Mac I eventually didn't need. Right. And who knows why that changed. I mean, still, to edit a podcast, I don't want to do that on an iPad. To do lots of photo editing, I don't want to do that on, on an iPad. Um, I don't know. But maybe something's coming that we just can't imagine yet. 
And I don't say that with any hope right. <laughs> or hopefulness. I say that with I'm trying to be a, have a cold-eyed look about why this company would do what they're doing. I don't think they're doing it to be mean. I think they're doing it to be relevant. I think they're doing it to... I, I mentioned this in talking about Cards Against Humanity um, on, on a podcast recently. You know, every single thing that company does is more like them than the previous thing that they did. <laughs> right. That's a sign, a sign of a great company is when they keep becoming more like themselves in a way you could never imagine. And we just don't know which part of Apple they're becoming more like right now. And that gives us the fear, understandably. Hmm. We should talk about happy things. Yeah. I'll tell you about something happy. If you, no, if you please. Want to know. I can and use some happy. Right about some happy. The happiest company ever is named Smile. It's the expression of happiness. It is the smile. What happens? Are you happy? Yeah. How'd you know it's so happy? Because you're smiling. That's this company, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they make software that makes people smile. PDF Pen Pro. It is the giant Swiss Army knife for PDFs. They have so many tools built into this thing; it could barely fit in your pocket. Like a Swiss Army chains, chainsaw, nice. does it all. Yes, it, it. You can do the basic stuff. You can add signatures. You can edit text and images. You can do OCR on scan documents. You can export into like Microsoft Word format, so you can edit it like as a as a, a word processor document. It, it'll handle and create let you create interactive PDF forms. You can build table of contents. You can set document permissions. You can convert entire websites to multi-page PDFs for uh, offline viewing. It's so cool. And PDF Pen Pro 8, you can create portfolio documents. You can combine related files into a single PDF, and you can attach files to your PDFs. They're doing everything in this, and they have a special deal happening right now for our listeners, 20% off new PDF Pen Pro 8 purchases by visiting smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Now, the 20% discount is it's new purchases only, not upgrades. Uh, so you've got to get on this, though. It's a limited time thing uh, because it's ending December 15th, 2016. So you got, if you're listening to this, like while we do the show the same day, you got 15 days, you got two weeks. So get in there and do this. They don't do this kind of thing often. And it has to be this landing page, smilesoftware.com slash B2W. You will get that 20% discount. That's the only way to do it. Do it. It's great. I was just using this this morning because we moved, right? So I had to update my uh, my address with like 20 different places. And they all have a different PDF that I have to use. Well, guess what? Go in there, type it all in right there on the screen, hit print. It's done. Couldn't oh, be it's beautiful. Love it. It's a great app. I mean, once you got it, you feel like you really got wings. It's it's such a great app. So go check it out. Again, the URL, smilesoftware.com slash B2W for 20% off your new purchase. Thanks so much, as always, to our friends over at Smile. Thank you. Thank you, Smile. Buck, buck. Upgrade. You know, like I got, uh, but Upgrade I did. Upgrade with two, two Ds for a double dose of his pimping. Nice. Upgrade. I did order a, an iPhone, uh, a new iPhone. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. How about that, huh? I the main reason I did it is because I went into the doctor, the eye doctor, and they did my, you know, yearly eye checkup. And I went to a new place that had come highly recommended and, and you ever have the glaucoma test? Mhm. the puff. Yeah, where they puffed a little air. I go in there and they, they there was an well there's an old-fashioned version of, of the glaucoma test. 
And the old fashioned version is you sit with your head locked in to some kind of uh, some kind of vice, yeah. and they slowly move a cylinder that touches your eye. I've never had that done. I refuse mm. to do it. Sounds then medieval. They, yeah. Then they came out with the puff of air. Then he comes out with this thing that looks like a little. It's like a little stick with a little hook on the end of it. Oh, and, God. And, and it almost like a set of pinchers in a way. It's hard to describe it. And I'm like, what's that thing? He's like, well, this is a glaucoma test. I'm like, no, the puff of air is a glaucoma test. He's like, no, this is what we use here. I said, well, it looks like you're going to touch me with it. He says, yeah, this touches your eye about six times really quickly. I, said, no. I, I looked at him. I said, no, it doesn't. Hard pass. He's like, no, that's how we do it. I said, no, I'm not doing that. He said, well, we have to check your eye for you. Have any history of glaucoma? I'm like, well, my grandmother had it. And she, well, we got to check it. Check it. Got to check it. I said, it touches your eye, Merlin. <sighs> Very gently, but it touches your eye. I don't like anything touching my eye. No, I hated it. I can't wear contacts for that. So I went in there and they do all the stuff. They look at your eye and have you do the, the thing. And, uh, and I came out of it and he's like, all right. So uh, progressive lenses. I'm like, yeah, those things suck. He's like, well, you really need them. And I said, what? Why can't I just use like you know? You made me. He made me like a special like computer glasses. I put them on when I'm on a computer. And he says, well, because you need more than that. You know, you're you're pulling your phone so far away from your your head. That's not good for you. You know, I've hmm. seen uh, and uh, you know I've seen you do that, Merlin. Yeah, where you pull, pull it, pull it away. And he's, you got you to like, it's, it's, it's like you're adjusting a telescope. You keep moving it back and forth like, mm, Yeah. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, I said, well, why can't you just put the bifocals on there? He says, we don't really do that anymore. I said, really? He says, we sell thousands of glasses out of here. He says, you know how many bifocal pairs we do all year? I said, how many? He said, well, I think we did three so far this year. I said, it's all progressive? He said, yeah. I said, all right, like, I'll try it. But... I know I'm not going to like it. So they did this, this set of uh, progressive lenses. This thing is the worst thing I've ever worn in my life. There's, it's, instead of the bifocals. It's, it's hard. It's really a t- It takes time. You, you get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really confusing at first. That's what but yours are, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, the, it's, it's not super complicated. It's just my, the top part of my glasses is for seeing far away, which right. is what I have a problem with. And the ones below, the little, then it, it eases into the, like, I guess, bifocal part, whatever it's called, right. called. But that's the part where if I hold something six or eight inches from my face, it's in, like, perfect focus. It's weird. It's very futuristic. It's very weird, and you, can't, you can look at the glasses, and there's no way you could tell, or at least I can't, by looking at them that, they're, that they are progressive no you can't tell at all but i mean essentially so if you actually need that combination of the two prescriptions you can get glasses that are essentially a fixie like you could get glasses that just do one or the other but you're going to need both of those yeah or or you're just gonna have to get in the habit of like taking your glasses off to look at something up close well one of the things that uh that i started thinking about was the phone and i do look at the phone a lot i do Mm -hmm. i mean i can admit that let's just be honest here sure and I've always loved the smaller size. The phone, the reason why I went down from the 6 to the SE is because it, it's a perfect size. It's a perfect phone. But a friend of mine got the 7 Plus, 
And it was so much easier for me to look at. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, it, it I was, believe it. It was like holding a, you know, like a, a pizza board in my hand. The, the SE the is still retina, right? Yes. Okay, but it's just, it is a good deal smaller. It is, and you can, there is this, uh, like, I feel so old. I feel so old. There is this setting. It's what happens, Dan. You either get older, you die. Pick uh, one. I'll get old then. But you hit, yeah. you hit a button on the phone in the settings, and it, it's, it's like a zoom feature. I'm not talking about making the fonts larger. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, you can essentially zoom the whole of the phone all at, at once. Mm-hmm. And, and that... I think maybe it's too much for me, but just having that larger screen and being able to bump things up and still have them fit, I said, you know, I'm going to, I'll try this. I'll try it. I'll see how it goes. I'm not looking forward to the bigger phone. I'm a little intimidated. I'm a little scared, mm. but the camera's great. So I got that, got that going for me. Which is nice. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, my phone is still in, um, what's it called night, night shift. Yeah, still it's still in night shift, yeah. and it's usually kind of dim. And it's like that just looks like a bunch of I don't know what that is. So I do have to like usually turn off night shift, turn up the brightness because you know when you're waking up you're goofy anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I know what you mean. I don't think it's any disgrace. I mean, you're gonna have to get used to the bigger size, but I mean, you'll get used to that. It's yeah. a nice phone. You're gonna like this phone. I don't know, but you know, like I I have I have confidence that Apple's gonna continue to make great phones and stuff stuff like that. For now, for now, but no, well, I mean it's their, it's their, it's their jam, man. That's where they make the money. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I think there's no question about it. Their computers, computers are supportive. They're supportive technology. They're no longer yeah. a primary technology for Apple. It's so, so you're clear. saying more like it's an accessory for your phone? It, yes, if not just for your phone, it's it's almost like I, I feel like Apple's there is kind of saying. We understand there are those of you who still use computers, and we respect that. So here's some, here's some computers we've made. These things should satisfy most of what you guys do. And uh, use them if you'd like. That's kind of the attitude of Apple in, in 2016 about Macs. It's mm-hmm. not, we are making the best computers around. They are the best they are innovative. They are great. And there's people who are listening who are saying, I love my MacBook Pro. Like, it is the best. It is great. Well, that just means you're in that category. There was a time when everybody who used a computer was in that category. If you used a computer, it was likely that the Mac was going to be that for you. It was, it was overwhelmingly likely that the Mac would be that for you. But I don't think that's the case now. And I don't, you know, like looking looking at what's on my desktop and what I do, if it wasn't for the fact that I, I really like TextMate and I'm one of the weirdos who uses the mail app and I like using Safari, if it wasn't for that, I, I'd be fine on a Linux machine because most mm. of what I do is in the command line and typing code anyway, like for work. Right. Hmm? There you go. That was actually accidental. Oh, okay. But it, you know what? It, it punctuated my point really well. It did. It felt, it felt purposeful. Yeah. I was almost going to like just go with it for a second, but. <laughs> no, I think, I think, it, I think it's, it's cramped, cramped in this new office here. Oh, you got to change again. Uh. Oh, what a pain. Cramped. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just, um, I don't know. That's just, that. that's, that's, not just that's not my theory on this is not novel. 
it's no more novel than it is comforting, but it does make sense to me. Which is, you know, maybe they're coming up with the next thing. Who knows what that's yeah, going right, to be? Right, sure. But and I mean, like you know, I yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It would be nice to have. It, it feels again to all of us old. It just feels like such a no brainer to go like, look, just make a five thousand dollar MacBook Pro that does everything we want. Like, yeah, that's it. It seems like there's just so many ways in which that seems like like a not difficult decision. You know what I mean? Like it just, if there, there are people who will pay for this, like, why wouldn't you do that? Well, they must have a reason. I don't think it's because they're dumb and don't read the internet. I think it's because they're probably doing something that's very different. They might be, they might, we might be in the midst of a, of a paradigmatic shift that will eventually seem um, like it always had to happen. Right. I mean, who, who knows? I don't know. The, uh, you know, and I, I think there's, there's a common retort to this, which I think is becoming a little bit tiresome, which is, I don't understand. Apple's got all this money. Why don't they just doop to doop Like, why don't they, you know, why don't they have a bouncy house and a slide and a carousel? And it's like, well, that's not how they got good. They got good by doing fewer things. First thing Steve did when he showed up was like he killed the icon garden and got rid of tons of products. Right. No more licensing the OS. Like, we need to really focus our efforts on doing something that literally nobody else can do. Anybody can make a powerful PC. This is 2016. Grow right, up. Sure. Maybe it's time for us to make something that nobody else can make. They did that with the iPhone. There's still nobody's made anything as good as the iPhone, really. I mean, if you think there's other stuff as good as the iPhone, you, well, you're nuts. But I mean, they're they're good. But like now, there are there are good Android phones, and apparently this new Google phone is really good. But I mean, that's ten years. It took them ten years to do that, right? And they're they're not going to rest on their laurels, and they're not just going to. It's not going to be like working for Dell. It's not something where they're going to go like you know, you know, Pi Lake is available, so now we're going to put that in all of our computer boxes. I just made that up, by the way. Pi Lake. I, like I don't know it. If that's I get one of those. Get the Pi Lake Pi Lake chip, blue Pi. Yeah, get that new one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. To, interesting to watch, but it is. It is. It's also strange just because it hurts you. It hurts so many ways. It hurts your dignity. Because on the one hand, it feels like, hey, you guys, we stuck with you. Right, Like, we right. bought your shit when it was shit. Like, we, we're, we've been with you for so long. And, like, man, that feels gross that we don't get the stuff that we want. Like, we still feel like we're, like, we're like um, you know, on, on their, like, default board of directors because we're Team Steve. And it's like, well, that's not how a big company works, you know? sucks yeah it's, i should update the mac mini <laughs> i wouldn't hold your breath on that one no and, yeah. and that's something that i think is just is just fascinating because if you look at at the state of the mac today it's it is kind of messy it is kind of weird it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense and i don't think this is like well look apple's apple's doomed no i don't think either of us are saying that are we i'm not saying that that Apple's I, think doomed. I think they're far from doomed. Yeah. It's just that they, they don't need us in the same way that we need them. Yeah. Right. They, um, they're, they're, they're a company that will continue to evolve and, and do different things. And gosh, if there's one thing it feels like you, you got to kind of own up to with Apple is that they're always doing stuff that we don't see coming. They're frequently doing stuff that we can see coming, but of the stuff that we can see, see coming, how much of that was really a huge hit? Like, we didn't really understand the full extent of the iPhone until it came out. I mean, being able to guess what kind of chip was in there, oh, great, you know, give yourself full marks for that. But, like, I would not be surprised to learn that they're working on something we won't see for three to five years. Yeah. That's probably something very, very different. And I, I bet there's a part of me that really thinks 
they believe in the iPad in particular. I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't follow this stuff super carefully. I like, I like, I listen to podcasts, but like, I think they do seem to have a perhaps irrational interest in the iPad. It seems irrational to us, but maybe they're going somewhere with that, that we just can't anticipate. And that makes a lot more sense to them for lots of reasons. Who knows? You know, it's it just, just, you know, the thing to keep in mind whenever you're trying to do your like, when you're, when you're getting all angry and trying to figure out why the world doesn't go the way you want, well, it really is remarkable how quickly we went from something being impossible to something being a no-duh. That, that has the ability to happen, as this year has shown us, that has the ability to happen at a much quicker clip than has historically been the case. Right. And really now the PC, I mean, that's a 35-year-old idea at this point. I mean, when were the first PCs really? Like the first like IBM PCs, you're talking about the early 80s, right? So, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't have any crystal ball, but like, I, I, I don't think it's because Apple hates you. I think it's because Apple is trying to figure out what company they're going to be in the next 10 years. Yeah. And I think that's, that is something they are actively trying to figure out too. You know what I mean? Like they're like, we're watching them figure that out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're at a certain remove because we were not watching them figure it out. We're watching this like chemtrail of what they already have figured out. So they may have a real clear idea internally about something that's going to happen in two years that nobody's ever going to talk about. Right. And, you know, but they do, they do telegraph stuff pretty strongly. I think one, okay, so we got to get over this. This this episode's long. But another thing I think that frustrates people is stuff like, hey, it's the back to the Mac event because we're all really excited about the Mac. And oh, yeah, they're really all about the Mac. They called it back to to the Mac. Or to do the hello or like the hello again. It's like, as Syracuse pointed out, like, wow, that's kind of lame. Like there, that was, that was all for this reveal. Like these crappy laptops are like your idea of reusing this thing from the launch of the Mac and the launch of the iMac. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Hello on screen. Yep. You know, that's, and so I think, I think like that should have been feel, reserved for something actually new and actually innovative and actually great. Well, I think it feels like it feels unearned would be one way to put it. Like when you're watching a movie and you feel like there's been an unsatisfactory ending involving fixing all the buildings in New York. Uh-huh. I mean, well, that, seems kind of, that seems kind of unearned. Like that's a deus ex machina. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to get old. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you, I'll take it from you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. young still. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, well. Happy anniversary, <laughs> and uh, let's button this up. All right. Okay. I love you. I love you too, Merlin man. <laughs>